What's up, everybody? This is Ryan Staley, and you are listening to the Sales and Marketing Built Freedom Podcast, where we share with you the underground ninja skills and tactics the top sales and marketing leaders are using to create financial and lifestyle freedom. And the question that everybody is asking is, how do I create financial and lifestyle freedom for me? That is the question, and this show is the answer. Welcome, everybody. This is Ryan Staley, the host of the Sales and Marketing Built Freedom podcast. have a very special guest today. I have Jared Robin. So, Jared, I'd like to welcome you, the founder and CEO, I guess, of Rev Genius. Welcome. Thank you. Co-founder. <laughs> it's fine. Co-founder. It's, uh, it's, it's the wild, wild west. <laughs> I'm, give, I'm giving you new titles. We're, we're adding on things right there. So, um, good to go, man. Real excited and happy to have you on here. I've seen you do some amazing things. For those of you that don't know Jared, he's grown a community of close to 5,000 people in sales and marketing in a period of only three months, which is something I haven't seen done before in that facet manner. Uh, reached out to me. We got to know each other kind of over LinkedIn. Has been a account executive, an enterprise account executive, a director of sales, ranging on everything from logistics to digital marketing and e-commerce as well. So thought I'd have him on here today to share with you kind of his journey and his ninja skills that could help you so that you have something actual that you take away. So Jared, why don't we start off and talk about a little bit about you, man. Let's, let's have everybody know, and I want the listener to know more about you, kind of where you grew up, how you got to where you're at, and kind of your journey so they have some context to like what you're doing and how this vision was created. Sure. Yeah. No, uh, I, I love this story. So <laughs> it, it's mine. <laughs> Grew up uh, son of a salesman, right? Um, dad was a commission only salesperson. So, you know, that, that, that plants a seed, but, but not one that had to start from scratch. He was given a territory that was already doing a book of business. So there was already a, a salary there, right? Or, or what appeared to be that. Parents got divorced, you know, traditional uh, upper middle class upbringing, you know, no woe is me. Things were fine. Um, but worked in retail sales all through high school and realized when I went to college that I wanted to be an entrepreneur, but I also wanted some practicality. Uh, I was looking at schools like Babson, which is 100% entrepreneurial, but ended up going to Penn State because I wanted a true college experience. Um, <laughs> in State, uh, it was a lot of fun. And I knew if I majored in marketing, I was going to be a salesperson like my dad. And, and I, I knew I could always fall back on that, but college is for expanding, right? Like, or, or trying to learn new skills that you didn't know. And, and at the time, we're thinking 15, 18 years ago, marketing hadn't evolved like it's evolved today. Like digital marketing was like very basic and, and new at the time. And, and marketing was almost cliche back then. Now it's super regimented, super you know, attributable and super technologically advanced. But at the time, it wasn't like, if you majored in marketing, you went to sales, right? And um, I picked supply chain because I asked somebody what would most likely go towards entrepreneurship and, you know, the whole movement of a product and service um, was, was what came out. And in following school, I ended up working for FedEx, which a uh, phenomenal company and client facing because I realized I didn't want to do the supply chains and the behind the scenes. And, 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 now, and now I am in sales, right? Um, pretty quickly. I, I tried the internship route to get away from sales. 
and I didn't even try the real job route. I was just like, you know, I, I went, I was in one internship at Columbia Sportswear in the planning department there looking at uh, boats with tons of jackets and shoes coming across uh, the ocean. And I realized I'd much rather be the person selling those deals to sports authority and, and stuff. And, and I didn't feel like I was a key cog, even though I was, but I didn't feel like I was the blood of a company. And, you know, these ships were coming in and I was just like an admin making sure that everything got there. At least that's how I looked. And, and as an intern, I literally was that, right? So I'm like, I gotta, I gotta be the one selling. And, and so FedEx was for me, a combination of my degree in logistics and supply chain and now customer facing. So this was like where these worlds merged and I'm like, great, this makes a lot of sense. Um, and, and I could kind of use my degree. So seven years there, which was great. It was um, a learning experience. I, I'd been really good at everything until then. And this was my first like smack in the, in the rear. And, and I got that because I was the fifth best rep out of 12 initially. And, and, th and this is a big part of my story. And I, why was I the fifth best? My numbers were the fifth best. There was nothing subjective about it. And, and I'm like, geez, like this is real. And, and FedEx, as good of an organization as they are, black and white. Like, I don't care what you look like or whatever your numbers. And you know what happened with that? Those people were the order that people were getting promoted. So I would go for, and obviously you realize by the second or third that what's happening and you have no chance if your numbers aren't there, yeah. but you still have to show up. Um, and that's a big takeaway in sales. You always have to show up. And um, so after being passed over three times, I'm like, geez, like I, I started moving things in the right direction, but didn't get my numbers there. But then I ended up getting uh, the promotion and, and, that whole experience of actually having to dig in and, you know, get something <laughs> was, was, was paramount. Um, it was the first time in my life that I did that for something of consequence, right? Like, like getting an A in class. I'm not saying that that's not of consequence, but this is like, mm -hmm. this is the big stage. This is the big stage and, and I'm on salary and all that jazz. After that, I figured out that secret formula, whatever it was, and it's intangible, and, and I probably have to write it out to tell you, and it's definitely a formula, and, and, and it's just about consistency and hard work and showing up and, um, and putting points on the board, but, but that's not necessarily closes, like giving pricing agreements out, uh, you know, all the steps along the way, making sure you crush it there, and eventually you'll crush it at the top, and you know, the team I got to, I, I went from being the fifth out of 12 to being the first out of 500, so... I ended up in a really great situation. So that, that, at that point, that was like, oh my God. And, and let's be real though, right? Like, let's take it back. Like, was I the best out of 500 on paper I was? I was probably as good as a few dozen people, right? Uh, you close the right deal at the right time. We've all had this um, and, and you get the right thing. And, and, you know, if you're doing the right thing, you're more likely to get all of that. And that's, that, that's a massive takeaway. And, and I know that you probably subscribe to that too, but you know, along the way, a seed was planted that I was just doing the same thing a different day and I could get promoted and get a 5% raise and, you know, minimally more commission. Uh, the margins were mediocre. The company was phenomenal. FedEx is, is the best in the space. And if I ever wanted to go back into logistics, there's no second, but I realized I had to get out of logistics. I, I'm not going to work for a lesser product. Yeah. You had something really impressive that you kind of glossed over. <laughs> you went from fifth 
five out of 12, passed over three times for a promotion to after that being first out of 500. So I know you subscribe to the, uh, cause I, I had the, you know, the, the, the lower middle income Midwest upbringing myself as well. So I could totally relate to that hard work, consistency. Was there anything really specific and measurable that you did different or whether it's psychologically or strategy or tactics that you did that you would say helped you in that spot? Is it, can you just, anything yeah, that jumps so, out at you? So, so uh, the takeaway is mindset and, and, and for lack of a better phrase, just working like a machine. It sounds, it, it, it's crazy. Just getting excited about every pricing proposal I put out there. And, and what was great about FedEx and, and a lot of great organizations and big organizations that get it is the soft KPIs they give genuinely help you close business and win. Like if the company is doing it right, not every company, in early stage companies, this is often lost. But at FedEx, if you throw out 20 pricing agreements, you're going to win a certain percent. And, um, and, and, and just do it. And also, you know, I want to say like, well, well, I definitely stepped up having a strong manager helped. What did he do? That was so strong. The irony is he bought into the company process. He goes and, and, and he had my back and this is big, right? Mm -hmm. What he said was, Jared, here's the deal. You're, you're, dollar amount your raise is based on a combination of soft KPIs and, and, and you automatically, you, you get paid out based on the hard ones, right? Like, but, but, but you keep your job, you, you know, you can get a raise if you're doing everything right along the way, but you, you know, you get your commission check based on hundred percent of goal, blah, blah, blah. He's like, if you're not at that hundred percent, mm -hmm. I will always shield you from the director and the fire that he, he at the time wants to, uh, bring down on you. I will take all that brunt if you're blowing out these soft KPIs. I have so much faith in the process wow. that I'll hold the fire away from you if you're doing everything right along the way. You know what it's like to have a manager that says that? Oh my God. He's like, if you're at 93% of goal, don't worry. I'm going to take it on the chin, punched in the eye, whatever, to keep you here if you have all the soft KPIs. Mm-hmm. So you know what you do? You execute the F out of the soft KPIs. And you're like, and, and so you combine that with the manager that took a chance on me, right? Like, and I'm like, like, so psychologically, you need to buy in before, like, and, and we talked, you know, before this, like, there's plenty of salespeople that are President's Club salespeople that have had mediocre years before and after President's Club, even after, even after they found my formula. There's plenty. So the root behind it is a psychology. And, and to be honest, because to be a machine for something that you don't like and you don't believe in, and it's a combination of the product and the person and the organization, mm -hmm. you're not going to do it. We've all seen, and, and heck, Garner talks about the lone wolf that, that like has been on the top and they're also the most volatile. One. I mean, you know, that, that's a little bit of a tangent, but like you understand what I'm saying. Like if, if you, the psychology behind it is big and, and the takeaway is if I didn't honestly believe FedEx was the best product in the space, that wouldn't have worked. If I didn't have a manager that gave me a promotion, like 
like, and, and I had like a senior AE promotion before that. I was an inside sales. This was field sales. I, I wouldn't have been there. Like if I, if he didn't also give me a territory I was comfortable in because what ended up happening, like the perfect storm of the world, I ended up getting promoted to like essentially bigger accounts in my same territory. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, great. Like I know these guys, like, and I've been working with them for three or four years. I know which wants to steal that. I was like sandbagging, you know, like all that <laughs> stuff. And then he's like, were you really sandbagging this away from us? You have this quick conversation, get some laughs out. Um, and you have this perfect storm. And then all you have to do is work hard. And it's just a matter of time, man. It's just, and, and working hard. Let, let me tell you my debt. This is, this is what working hard was from, from, a, from a nine to five standpoint. I worked nine to five hard. At five, I went to the gym every day. This is like, this was a great quality of life. And at about 7 or 8 p.m., I would work from 8 to 10 p.m. at night in my pajamas, in my sweats, after the gym, chilling out with my girlfriend at the time, watching TV, putting together agreements. Okay? I would sell till five. I'd put together agreements, do admin work after. I'd sell to four or five and do that. Smart. My field sales, you know, you're customer facing. I'm not having calls. So I'm not having many meetings after five. Nobody wants to meet face-to-face. Right. Not, you know, like if they have another option. But that was my schedule. So I was, how many hours a day was I working? Maybe 10, not Fridays, right? Like maybe four days a week, 10 hours, eight hours on Friday. So 48 hours a week, 50 hours. Um, and, and then, but what's cool though too, is when you really get into the groove, you're on bed and you're prospecting and like, you know, like, you know, you're watching Netflix and, and, and you're doing two things at once. You're getting your, you know, you, you have your like lead IQs or whatever, and you're just on LinkedIn being like, okay, that person would be good and get them all in the CRM and then like start sequencing them the next day. You know, like when, when you like what you're doing. So, you know, I apologize for the long answer, but it starts with psychology and we spoke about meditation and stuff and it really, really does because you're hundred percent when every, all your ducks are in a row is much different than your 100% when they're not. Yeah, I totally agree with you. There's a lot of great things that that you highlighted in there. And it's funny because like, until you start to escalate, you, well, you kind of, in my opinion, I see a lot of people, they just kind of have the dead behind the eyes look when the idea of mindset comes up or psychology, just because it's, it's so, it's talked about so much now. But if you truly embody it, that's like when you experience kind of what, what, what you did, man, from making that jump. And some people will say as much in business, 80% of your success is based around psychology and 20, 20% is based around strategy and tactics. So awesome story, man. Really, really good kind of framework in terms of how you work. What? So it was about 40 hours plus maybe eight. So 48 hours, 50 hours probably 50, 55 hours, but like, 48 between Monday and Friday, you know, yeah. like, I think super crazy. That's, that's awesome, man. So, so take us on from that kind of the next yeah. phase. So I want to make sure we, we so, get so what, to what, some of this what about the next phases, um, I went from that to technology. I'm like, what's next? And I Googled one day highest paying sales jobs. And what came out was tech, <laughs> digital advertising, CPG and medical device. And I'm like, yeah. I Googled CPG. I needed an MBA to have that. I'm like, okay, that disqualifies me there. It's not going to do it. Yeah. I don't know if I like it or not, but easy medical device coming from New Jersey. Um, 
that was prevalent. I'm like, nah, I, I need two reasons to do something. Money can be one of them, but it can't be both. Tried digital advertising, couldn't get in. Technology, AngelList took me in. Uh, AngelList, in terms of their job postings, found an early stage company that would hire me. Uh, and the reason why I wanted to move is because I wanted a new challenge. I wanted equity in something and I wanted to be in a space other than logistics where I can make more money. And even if I went to other companies, I could stay in the space for the rest of my career. And I felt that technology was it. And, and many people that are watching this probably empathize with that. Mm -hmm. And Granify, awesome company. Peter Thiel backed, um, nice. took, a pay, took a pay cut. And day one, the product I was pitched to, to come on with was different. I'm like, oh, shit. Wow. Fortunately, my colleague uh, developed a sales training curriculum at a little company called Groupon. We're talking seven, eight years ago when they were like okay. the biggest company in the U.S. in, in your backyard, right? Uh, yeah, every, right here in Chicago. Yeah. Everybody, everybody in tech in Chicago knew my buddy um, because everyone went through Groupon like once upon a time. So he taught me how to sell the new way, right? Like uh, FedEx was very relationship driven and now I'm learning Sandler sales techniques uh, with a different product. I'm like, okay, strap in, let's do this. And then product didn't work for year one. And, and that impacted my earning, obviously. That impacted my psyche. You talk, you know, we're talking about all this. And I just had to keep going. And this is, this is a whole different thing. Like, was I selling something I didn't believe in? Well, when the product wasn't working, we sold a lot less and we tried to sell a lot less. Okay. Cause we don't do that. But the reason from a psychology, you know, bringing that in said, if this product works the way it should predictive analytics on site e-commerce, knowing when somebody's going to buy or not buy before they do and not just using human rules, right? Like actually reading their digital body language and machine learning, actual machine learning. I'm like, there's no product in the world better than this or, or that that's on my radar. That's better than this. So I have to stay here. Sure enough, it clicked. And by this point, you know, he's a friggin' all-star, me taking my old stuff and now learning like Sandler-esque stuff, like, and like being a little more structured um, from a tech standpoint. We went to Series A with a two-person sales team pretty much. Um, I believe we were profitable. Uh, don't quote me on that. But uh, from there, you know, jumped to other stuff. Some worked, some didn't. Um, staying true along the way. You know, the part that leads me to today happened right around that time when the product didn't work there. I built a digital fashion magazine on the side. I'm like, F all this. Like, I'm going to um, do what I truly love. And, and I had a friend at the time, and we'd go out, you know, uh, to nightclubs because he was a nightclub promoter. And I'm like, <laughs> like this is rough. <laughs> like, like, my days are rough, and I, I, I have nothing, so I needed an outlet. And, uh, and, and he was great. And we're like, what do we really love? And we're like, we love fashion, fitness, and fun. So corny. But we pulled out fashion as the prime thing created a digital magazine because we found a niche that all these big fashion brands are in vogue and everything. And, and there are these new brands that the designs are actually better and cooler, like avant-garde luxury sports or high-end streetwear that aren't getting exposure. Let's create a whole niche and magazine around that. Got it to 10,000 people a month, created fashion shoots and productions that ended up winning international fashion film festivals. And this is a side project, right? Where I'm doing 25 hours a week on the side. Because you don't really have much more hours than that. And that's yeah, definitely. That. <laughs> so getting all sorts of validation and credit in the fashion world as like my day job is like goes from FedEx rep to e-commerce sales rep, which was like suit and tie to like button down shirt without suit. 
started growing my hair then. I'm like, if I don't do it now, it'll never happen. And now it <laughs> can make sense, right? So totally. we that adventure um, because we found product market fit, but not from somebody that would pay us. <laughs> I, think, I think a lot of people fitted that. Like product market fit, the caveat is you need to get money out of it too because you can get product market fit without that. But um, that seed was planted and that leads to like the rev genius today, right? Like how could I do that better? And, and that's probably a good segue for the rest of the show. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome, man. So really, this is, yeah, this is so cool, man, because this is why I love this show and be able to do this. Like you have an amazing story that a lot of people can relate to struggling at sales, coming up in an environment where you didn't come from a lot and you essentially kind of started off not being the most successful person you found a way and then you just kept kind of evolving in unique and different ways. So, so yeah, bring us into Rev Genius. I'd love to hear more about that. And then kind of like, yeah. you know, what was the moment that it was like a, a moment, like an aha moment that you had that just kind of opened you up to the like, Hey, this is what I need to do. And this is what people need. So I'd love to hear your, your yeah. story on that. It was a tough job market and, uh, and the opportunities weren't really there, right? During COVID. Uh, now they're coming about a bit more, but I just kept thinking in every downturn, there's an opportunity, but what, what does that look like? Um, and I tried a lot of things around the space from like a lunch club idea, but like better if you're familiar with lunch club um, and, and just testing different things, with, you know, with different people, mm-hmm. not even a lot of people just speaking with friends that are in the space. Right. Yeah. And, and I realized there's other people in my situation, uh, you know, along the way, Med Galen, my co-founder. Um, and I believe this was like in April, like end April when we had our like first meeting we met on LinkedIn or met through and we'd been going to tons of webinars at the time and ton, you know, there was tons of content coming out all virtual every day. There was five different things. And, and we're like, this is great. And a lot of people wanted to go to it because there wasn't people were out of work and people in work now were at home. So they could, they could, do stuff during the day. Mm-hmm. The initial idea for Rev Genius was to create essentially like uh, a platform that had all the events organized, right? Because, you know, right now you have influencer A promoting this event, B, whatever, and there's no platform where you could find it all. And, and that was really interesting to us. We started doing that like on a spreadsheet and building a community around that, right? And, um, because we wanted to do like super MVP of an MVP as I call it. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. and, and it started with like a LinkedIn messaging thread where we had eventually 38 people there and realized that the people were the backbone of the idea, not the idea being like mm-hmm. driving the people. And that, and that was a big aha moment. And then we went to Slack and that's where we've been and, and, and grown quite a bit. And um, you know, I don't want to say we pivoted, that, that's a strong word. We, we, we built the product market fit around the people. So like, are the events important? Sure. But the people are more important. And, and, you know, listening to them was big and, and, and that's where Revgenius came about. And, and, you know, the mission is to have this, um, this platform that helps people support, inspire, educate, you know, one another, like in the revenue world. So part of that is to each other, but in part of it's to give resources, right? So then you can enter, you know, the, the events and, and then some, right? Like there's, there's clearly much more than that. So that's where we are today. And it's just been a mission that like rang true, similar to the, 
the mission I had seven years ago, five to seven years ago when I started uh, Dizom magazine uh, to help emerging fashion designers. Super cool. Yeah. I mean, it's, I love that story. It's, I, I think something that you said was, was really profound there and that, you know, people were more important than the idea than essentially like the idea itself, you know, and I'm, I'm rephrasing it there because I, I don't think I wrote it down exactly, but I'm taking notes because I want to want to so, soak all this in, man. But that, that's, that's really, I mean, that's, there's been businesses that have proven to be 90% successful if you base it around the market versus a product approach, you know, and I think that's what you did. And so you just started from a grassroots campaign of 38 people just reaching out to their network and then it just kind of blew up from there. Or what did you guys specifically do? Four people. We were called ourselves the four musketeers, Galen and I and uh, Ben Haber and Stephanie Madsen. Um, and then one day we're like, we invite some more people. So like we meet people at these webinars and bring them in. And then, and then it just, yeah, we're like, hey, can you guys bring a couple people? And we had like our founding members set all of a sudden. Like founding members are just anybody from our LinkedIn group. Like, yeah, yeah. that's it. Like the original 38, it might it might have got to 50 or something. Like there might have been like one-offs, but you get the idea. And then uh, there, <laughs> there's some others that just like grew it up. But uh, no, it's exciting. It starts with the people. And what we realized is as well, when you're building something for the people, you can't put any gates around that. You can't. It can't be exclusive if it's for the people. It's got to be inclusive. And, and, and there's a way to do inclusive and still have really good conversation and really big learnings. And it also has to be accessible, right? Like um, affordable, you know, in a word. And when you have these things, everybody learns more. Mm-hmm. Learn quite a bit more. Right. Um, if you're a revenue leader, you have a team of folks that's not. And, and you know, you, if you could dive into people that are in that knot, you're going to become a stronger leader and a stronger manager. You're going to have more mentorship opportunities, et cetera. Also, what Inclusive allows you to do is invite your whole team on. <laughs> you know, now all of a sudden we're becoming a mechanism for the organization and helping drive sales. So, you know, that, that, you know, we're listening to the people, what they want, and, and we're setting some guardrails to really enable success and enable more people to come in and give us feedback. And, and you'll notice everything we do, we ask for a bunch of feedback along the way. And, um, and that's that. And it's exciting because the people are everything. We wouldn't be where we were uh, without them. Yeah. And, and it's great. I mean, I've personally been involved with it and it's kind of funny because it started off with you just reaching out to me on LinkedIn and pinging me and you're like, Hey man, why don't you check this out? I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll check it out. Cause I ha- I'm like part of like four or five slack groups right now. So sure. at first my head was ready to explode, but you persisted. And then a couple other people hit me up too. They're like, Hey, like uh, I'm in the revenue collective as well, which is another great group, different kind of structure. And people are like, hey, why don't you check this out? You should check this out, right? And I'm like, all right, man, I'll check it out. So I checked it out and I'm like, oh, this is pretty cool, you know? And I got involved and I, I was on one of the roundtables yesterday. I'm hosting one today on closing and then one next week on enterprise negotiations. So it was pretty cool, man. I, I think you guys have done an awesome job and highly recommend it to anybody out there who's looking to level up and connect with some amazing people. Keep in mind, what you see is nine and a half weeks in, Ryan. Like, yeah. like, like, 
I think that we're mediocre today, it, but a lot of people don't like a lot of people like really dig it. Like, I, I think that where we're going is going to blow people's minds. Well, let me ask you that. So I got two questions for you. Yeah, the please. first is what would you see is the biggest challenge that, that people are running into collectively? Let's say on the sales side um, within Rev Genius, what, what do you think is one of the, the number or the number one problem that's consistent with people getting to where they want to go? So I think, you know, the number one statistic you see throughout is people not hitting quota. And, and I don't know if it's Rev Genius or just in the community, but like that's that statistic. And the number differs from 57% to 85%. But, you know, you've seen different numbers. The point is whatever number you see is above 50% of people are not hitting quota. And that's big. And then second, we're in a world where SDRs have more importance than they ever have because it's become harder to send meetings than it ever has been. And, um, and it's because there's a lot of noise, right? Like so many people want to start a new MarTech company and that creates more opportunities for sales enablement companies and all of this. And, and it trickles down. There's more people reaching out than ever and getting in the door is harder than ever. And, and here's an example, like the tactics I used seven years ago when we were building Granify, if I tried to use today, depending on the product, I'd have no chance. Yet I was getting like 10% meeting book rates now. Every few months, and, and that's like ridiculous, right? Like from email, right, I was getting yeah. 10% of the emails. Now I'd be at like 0.10% probably. Mm -hmm. yeah. The point I'm trying to make is it's super taxing um, and super difficult like with new strategies. And I'd be willing to bet a high percent of sales leaders that are crushing it if they were put in that SDR role today, they would not be able to do it. It's like really, it's really tough. And, and, and you're giving your, your newest person on the team that SDR role. So somebody you're at a college, you're giving the toughest role in sales. Think about that. Yeah. That's, I mean, I could see that it's, it's almost like to be an SDR to get consistent appointments. You have to be like a crazy good marketer as well. You can't, you can't just be a salesperson anymore. You, you have to like, it's, it's almost like, and um, maybe I'll, I'll trademark this. It's like marketing now. Like you, you can't just be in sales. You can't just be in marketing. You got to like put it together. And that's, that's a lot of skill sets you got to mix. So there's about 50%. I, I don't know if this is a real stat, but I sense that there's about 50% um, of SDRs reporting to marketing. Wow. Yeah. That may, I, that may, I, I can see that. that, but there's problems with that too. Right. So there, there's problems, and, and here's one of the challenges, right? So, why, why are, so SDRs are also failing going as AEs, right? Right. And if you're in marketing, and now you're going over to sales, did you have that right mentorship training? Did you have that right alignment? And you can, absolutely, but like it takes you a step further away. And this is assuming silos, right? There's not every organization has a silo with like sales and marketing. Mm -hmm. Right. If you do that, that you can't, you can't, if you're putting the BDRs in marketing, if you're siloed and doing that, good luck with your bench. Like that's tough. Yeah. Uh, so um, it's funny. Cause that, that's what I've seen. And like, I even uh, think, yeah, I saw the state of outside sales. It was like less than 15% of people hit 75% of their quota. That's oh, for outside sales. 
Yeah, CSO Insights, this was in 2019, I think was 64% of people didn't hit their quota. So I think if you take it one step further, that's how the outside sales, CSO Insights was all of sales. So, so where, where's, the, where's the problem lie? I truly believe you have to go to the root, you have to go to the top. It's, you know, as, I, as I'm reading uh, sales as a science <laughs> right now, uh, plug Jakov, who's actually an author on the book club that we're doing right now. And, and we'll be doing a whole uh, workshop at the end of the book club himself, like an hour and a half, which is pretty rad. Cool. You know, that type of stuff as well as, you know, just, you know, he, he talks about like, there's a shift in SAS anyway, like the value of a superstar isn't as high as it once was, right? Like that superstar used to be 20%, be like 80% of their revenue. But now SAS deals, you know, tend to stay in a box more or less. Like there's a price per seat, you know, th there's not much else you could sell somebody. So like they might, they might have 20% bigger deal sizes, but they're not having 200% bigger deal sizes. You know what I mean? So like, instead of them being contributing to 80% of the revenue, they're contributing to like 38% of the revenue and the B players are more. So like understanding this new dynamic is big. And I also think, um, you know, this is going to sound cliche, but if you, if you understand the actual definition of this word, it's not cliche, is empathy. Um, having real empathy, really listening to people uh, is massive, is understated, right? Like you give people plans, but like making it so that like, if you don't hit your goal in three months, you're not going to get fired. Like, like, the soft KPIs, like if you're not doing it, but you're making a hundred calls a day, you're setting this many meetings and all of that, dude, I'm betting on you. Like, that's great. Like that just means like some of the content you say in these calls needs to adjust. Like you're doing the whole process. Like, you know, having, having that and, and you're not giving three, three month <laughs> ramp periods for like six to nine month deal cycles and being like, your pipeline shit, like you've closed no business. Dude, there's six to nine months. I started not in the buying season. Like, yes. what do you expect? Like, like, are you kidding me? Like, really? Yes, yeah. That's... Oh, and we're not gonna give you enablement. You're gonna have to create your own collateral and all that, and you have a three month ramp. <laughs> you know, part of my friend said, fuck you. <laughs> you could take so, that out. But you know right. we'll, we'll put the explicit tag on this, uh, this episode, no, is that right? <laughs> It's like literally every man and woman for themselves. And if you're creating a culture like that, you're going to have a ton of attrition. Yes. Uh, no, it's, and uh, yeah, it's <laughs> like, you're doing all the math. You're like nine month deal cycle, three month ramp. <laughs> and be like, your pipeline's a little light. Like, are you not looking at everything else I'm doing? Yeah. That's, I mean, that's critical. I mean, that was the key to like, I had to build an enterprise team from scratch yep. and like the company I used to work for, they, they didn't have the most patience. They wanted results now. And so I felt the heat kind of turning up. So I kept directing my CEO to the, the soft KPIs that the team was doing. And I'm like, listen, yep. we're getting meetings with $5 billion companies. We're getting like, we've never had deals this large before in the pipeline at all. And you know, I give him credit. He, he ended up being patient you know, versus going the other route. And we scaled that up, got like $120 million deals after that, $120 million worth of deals. 
So you do got to give time. Um, so let's talk a little bit about your vision, man. I want I want to hear about where Rev Genius is going, what what you see, and then I, I want to I want you to share how people can get involved because this is something that, in, unless it's changed, it's a free community right now, and so it's a great opportunity to get involved and and you know, um, take part. So go ahead, man. Yeah, our vision is to be much bigger than all these other micro communities and to be a resource. And, and it's not just being bigger, like, like it's massive. Like why can't we be the Reddit for sales <laughs> type of thing? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and for revenue, it's to be the de facto spot for all revenue professionals go to learn, support each other, level up, mm-hmm. etc. And it's a big vision. It's going to require a long time, but we're, we're building it. Yeah. And you're doing a great job, man. So I'll, I know you, you said you're just getting started. You're nine and a half weeks in. So where can people find you? Where can people get involved? Uh, see what you're, I know you post a lot on LinkedIn as well. Where can they find your content as well as how do they get involved with Rev Genius? Yeah. So uh, Rev Genius is just revgenius.com, R-E-V-G-E-N-I-U-S.com. Uh, you can find us on LinkedIn, company, linkedin.com forward slash company forward slash rev genius. Myself is just uh, forward slash in forward slash Jared Robin, J-A-R-E-D-R-O-B-I-N. It's a lot of plugs. So just rev genius, you could Google it anywhere. <laughs> just Google it if you forgot the dot com part and you're there. Well, you can just do Jared Robin on LinkedIn. That's easy. And then revgenius.com. Yeah, I might be the only one. I, I should get a, I should get quicker with that. But yeah. <laughs> I'm the only Jared Robin on LinkedIn. Uh, no, it's good, man. So, um, so to sum it up, I, I wanted to thank you, man. This is awesome hearing your journey going from a, a supply chain major yeah. to a struggling sales exec to one of the number one out of 500 and then going through startups, starting a fashion magazine uh, for getting up to 10,000 people and then creating a community of 5,000 people from scratch in three months with your co-founder and then the other folks in your group. So I want to say thank you. A lot of awesome things that, that you dropped in this. And I'm really excited to see where it's going. It's been cool because I've been involved for like the last month and a half. So I've seen kind of where it's going and where it's heading. So really excited about it. And, you know, just, just want to say it's been amazing having you on the show. I can't tell you how much I appreciate you uh, for your impact in the community and for being part of ours. It's amazing. Thank you. Thanks, buddy. Sounds good, man. Uh, Well, I appreciate you all coming today and we will see you on the next show. Thank you for spending the time with me today. I know that time is one of the most valuable resources, so I truly honor and appreciate you coming along this journey with me. One of the things that I want to ask you is if you really truly enjoyed this and know someone that this can make an impact on, please share this episode with them. If you're on a journey for financial and lifestyle freedom, it is always exponentially better if we're building a tribe with like-minded people who are on the same journey. In addition, I have an amazing PDF for you that could be career changing in terms of the content. Essentially what it is are the top 10 questions that every big customer is asking behind closed doors that no one is telling you about. I'll put a link for it in the show notes. So check it out. It's my free gift for you for being a part of this launch and being a part of this journey with me. And I hope to see you soon.